Easily grow and manage your camps with intuitive and responsive camp management software that makes registration a breeze. ActiveWorks Camp and Class Manager is built with camps in mind and offers a mobile optimized experience, free customer support, and extensive reporting. You can even offer sibling discounts. Learn more at www.activenetwork.com ACA. Dannenberg with the American Camp Association. Today on CampWire, we have the pleasure of speaking with three women who are running exciting programs that help campers prepare for higher education, introduce their participants to careers in the health sector, and preserve and celebrate Indigenous culture. Danny Thompson and Brittany Belgard are from the University of North Dakota, and Dr. Naomi Bender is from Washington State University. I'm going to let them tell you a little bit more about themselves here in a little bit, and you'll also get the chance to start to identify their voices with whom we're speaking to. But before we, we begin, I must selfishly share that I'm honored and excited to be surrounded by the voices you are hearing today. Learning about the work each of you are doing and the programs you're providing the community with has been enjoyable, and I know our camp community is going to benefit from hearing about your culture, programs, and the success of the participants that you serve. It is typical I've learned uh, and important to provide a land acknowledgement statement before one begins and before one introduces themselves. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about that. As someone who is non-native, um, land acknowledgement is a powerful way of showing respect and honoring the indigenous peoples of the land in which we work and live. So each of us are going to do that in a moment here as we introduce ourselves and you already know me, I'm Alicia Dannenberg and I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I would like to acknowledge that the land in which I am meeting on sits upon the homeland of the Shawandasi Tula people. I acknowledge their sacrifices to the land and recognize that without their tribe, I would not have the opportunity to reside or work on the land in which I do so today. I will continue to raise awareness and respect to the indigenous peoples in this land and across the country. I'm now gonna pass it over to Naomi Bender and let her give her land acknowledgement and introduce herself. Napapiyaki, um, good morning and good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, I am the Director of Native American Health Sciences for Washington State University system-wide, and I will um, relay our land acknowledgement here. We acknowledge the land which WSU Health Sciences sits and occupies today as the traditional homelands of the Spokane Tribal Nation. Without them and their continued sacrifices, we would not be able to conduct our work or have this dialogue. I take this opportunity to thank the original caretakers of this sacred land and the lands of which each of us here today occupy and call home. I further offer up my hands and thanks to our Pacific Northwest tribes and other tribal communities across our country who work diligently to preserve these lands in ways that honor our Pachamama, our Mother Earth, the creator, their tribal nations, and the future of all our peoples. Buju, hello. My name is Brittany Bellegarde. I'm going to be giving um, the land acknowledgement for the University of North Dakota. Today, the University of North Dakota rests on the ancestral grounds of the Pemina and Red Lake Bands of Ojibwe and the Dakota Oyate. 
presently existing as composite parts of the Red Lake, Turtle Mountain, White Earth Bands, and the Dakota tribes of Minnesota and North Dakota. We acknowledge the people who resided here for generations and recognize that the spirit of the Ojibwe and the Oyate people permeates with the land. As a university community, we will continue to build upon our relations with the First Nations of the state of North Dakota, the Mandan, Hidatsan, Arika Nations, Sisseton, Wapiton, Oyate Nation, Spirit Lake Nation, Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, and the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. Thank you both. And Brittany and Danny, would you also please take a moment and introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about you and your background and your program? Oh yeah, of course. My name is Brittany Belgard. I am an enrolled member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa in Belfort, North Dakota. I am the coordinator of outreach, programming and education with the Indians into Medicine program at the University of North Dakota. I work closely with our Summer Institute program, which we'll go into a little bit more detail um, later on in our discussion. And I also do recruiting efforts for the InMed program. I am Danny Thompson. I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I serve currently as the program manager for InMed or Indians into Medicine at the UND School of Medicine and Health Sciences. So I oversee um, the day-to-day -day operations for all of our programs, including Summer Institute, um, our other summer programming for other levels of students and our degree program offerings as well in the allied health sciences. Thank you both. And we are so honored and lucky to share our time with the three of you today. I'd like to start and uh, we're going off of a, a pre-meeting that we had on Tuesday. And, and when we're talking about respect and honor and you know, starting with our land acknowledgement statements, I do wanna back up a little bit and have a conversation that we had on Tuesday about the right um, terminology to address this community of people and to talk about Native American versus American Indian versus indigenous people. I know that there are people out there listening who are non-native such as myself, but want to have the opportunity to learn more and to address and respect the community correctly. So could either or someone speak about that? Um, this is Brittany again. Um, I could just give a little bit of inf background information as as far as the Indians into Medicine program and um, the wordage that is used here at the University of North Dakota. And personally, um, we will identify as American Indian, where we also use indigenous, where indigenous is more broad and talking about indigenous people of Alaska, um, Hawaii, and where Dr. Naomi Bender is in the um, Pacific Northwest. But here at UND, we do use the wordage of American Indian to identify. I think one of the pieces that I would add on to what Brittany had spoken about is it's individualistic. When we think about how Native Americans or, or American Indians or people who are indigenous have been named, these have often come from very Western views, um, very Euro-Anglo views over time, not just as they pertain to government decisions on census building, but also in terms of um, trying to demarcate the differences or gen even generalize American Indian populations into one group. And so, when we think about that, we also consider the sovereignty of each of our tribal nations, of which there are 574 federally recognized tribal nations and many more 
to this day who are not recognized by the federal government. Um, I believe it's a preference of people. We have many native people who, including myself, um, who's indigenous, Quechua, who believes that I do not need a government to identify me for me to identify myself and our people. Um, and I think that's really important to state because um, as we are working with youth in camps, we wanna make sure we're embracing their identities and the, their tribal sovereignty in ways that are culturally meaningful and bound by our ancestors and not by a government that is not ours um, for centuries. So um, I, I hope that helps in a little bit more, but it, it can vary from um, space to space and nation to nation throughout the United States. Thank you both. Um, so let's talk camp. I know that there are camps out there who are wanting to hear more about the details of your program. We gave them a little bit of um, the insight to the health sciences, but we'd love to hear about how you operate, what kind of programming you're running, and how it pertains to being on a university. I can start, and then I can hand it over to who I, who I truly believe is one of the national benchmarks for um, summer institute programs. So again, this is Naomi Bender, Director of Native Health Sciences for Washington State University. My work um, encompasses working and advocating for almost 50 tribes in the Pacific Northwest, four to five tribes. We work directly with the affiliated tribes of the Northwest Indians, the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board, the American Indian Commission under Governor Inslee in Washington. We also work with a cohort of tribal elders, a tribal advisory board that steers our work and um, many tribal communities, high schools, and healthcare systems across these areas. We run 12 pathway programs, one of which is a summer youth program that we're going to talk about here today, but we also run many other programs in the area of steering young children all the way through um, matriculation into and support into colleges of medicine, nursing, pharmacy, vet med, and more. Um, and then also mentoring programs, research programs, scholarly project programs, the list goes on when, it, when we're talking about native pathways into healthcare fields. With that said, um, we particularly also serve 12 M uh, memorandum of understanding tribes within WCU as we're a land grant mission institution. And the colleges in particular that we have here are a new college of medicine in the last four years, College of Nursing, Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences, one of the nation's best known vet med schools, clinical psych, um, nutrition and exercise, and many other speech and hearing and other allied health sciences. Our work is not just to expand, our mission is threefold in my office. One is to expand the number of Native Americans going into healthcare and to expand our workforce to serve our people in Indian country, whether that's rural or underserved. Secondly, we build curriculum in terms of certification and coursework and programming that embeds these cultural understandings and decolonizing methodologies about approaching healthcare in ways that impact health outcomes for Indigenous people and communities. And we do these in clinical spaces and educational spaces. And thirdly, we also work directly with tribal communities who initiate health-based initiatives, research, and outcomes for their people. Um, so we do a, a mass amount of work. We have over 30 current projects going on. And we, like I said, we serve all five campuses and folks from across the region and also work directly with healthcare authorities, the Indian Health Service. And our currently one of our many grants is the Indians in a Medicine grant that we um, co-work and pilot with, with um, OHSU Medical School, UC Davis and WSU 
also known as Floyd College of Medicine in my office. So that's a little bit about my work as an overhaul, but in terms of our Nahashini STEAM Summer Institute program, it, is a, it, it had started for 20 some years as a two week program meant to steer ninth through 11th grade students in understanding healthcare career occupations and introducing them to those occupations so they might better see themselves um, down the road and help support them in these areas of finding that next step to help them succeed and matriculate into these spaces. Um, since I came here three years ago, we expanded it to 12th graders as well. Then we expanded the length of the program. When COVID hit last year, we turned our program into a three-week online Zoom program and combined it with a STEAM element with research, science, engineering, technologies, and math. And this summer, we extended it to five weeks, um, all online. And, and we can talk a little bit more after um, Brittany and, and Danny talk more about their programs. But um, in a bit, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the things we sent them in the experiments that, that they had. But that's like just kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the program. We typically have somewhere between 20 and 30 students as part of that program as well. All right. Thank you so much, Naomi. Um, I will discuss a little bit about our programming here at UND, and then I'll, I'll hand it off to Brittany to talk more specifically about our Summer Institute program um, and camp. So InMed um, here at the University of North Dakota or Indians into Medicine has been in place since 1973. We are funded by a federal Indian Health Services grant. And our, our one of our key goals is to support, um, I guess, American Indian students as they pursue degrees in allied health um, with a very strong focus in medicine and biomedical sciences. We have seven seats uh, reserved in a class of 77 every year in the medical doctor program here at UND. Um, and various levels or numbers of seats or support services established in all of the other graduate level allied health degree programs. So physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, whether we have a really strong presence um, via the RAIN program in our nursing department. So really we serve as a central place where students can come for support and tutoring and networking assistance and um, personal statement assistance, sort of all the resources that, that we can um, provide to our students to help them feel confident and successful as they pursue these upper level graduate degrees in the health fields. Um, because it is, it is a very, very intense process, no matter which degree path they choose. Um, and so we have found that providing complementary and supplementary services to our students really puts them on a path to success and a path that they can choose as well. So our, our, one of our taglines is that we, we offer programming from medical, excuse me, from middle school to medical school, um, teacher education and training, Summer Institute, which Brittany will speak about here in a minute, starts in the seventh grade and goes through the 12th grade year or the senior year of high school. Um, we have pre-medical and education programs as well as teacher education training in the summer for science education. Um, the outcomes for us are really to, again, support Native students as they, they pursue graduate level degrees and beyond in the health fields, um, but really graduate or any degree that they choose is, is, our, is a win for us. InMed also operates with the support of a tribal advisory board, and we support five key states, including Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Nebraska. And we operate with the services of the Tribal Advisory Board. They inform our processes, they inform our decision-making, they inform uh, the efforts that we are putting forth towards our students. 
So we really rely on them uh, to be a, a voice of, of a pulse of what we're, we're looking at and the communities that we're trying to serve and make sure that we are pursuing the right goals in the right fashion. Hello, everybody. Again, it's Brittany. I'm excited to share some information with the Campwire listeners on one of our um, huge summer camps that we have for the Indians into Medicine program here at the University of North Dakota, and that's our summer institute program. And Throughout my talk and letting you know more about the program, if you ever hear me say SI, that's just me referring to Summer Institute as it's just some abbreviations that we have adapted to and it's kind of hard to get out of saying um, the abbreviations when you're really into going into detail and especially about something so exciting. So the Inmax Summer Institute program is a six week program that is held on the University, University of North Dakota campus each summer for grades seven through 12. The students will stay on campus in the dorms and eat on in um, our dining hall. So it really gives them that university feel of things. During their time here for Summer Institute, our students will focus on STEAM and bio, biomedical sciences. And something that was really exciting this year that started up for the first year for our Summer Institute program is our juniors and seniors in the program have been able to earn college credits and through the University of North Dakota and taking a university life course as well as if they are returning as a junior for their senior year, they'll be taking um, an, a composition one class. So that's really exciting to have as part of our program and allowing those students to start their, their secondary education during a summer program. Um, there's lots of components to our program that are really special. Um, one of them that really touches near and dear to me is the family components. We make sure to incorporate culture aspects to our programming because a lot of these students are coming to us here in North Dakota from all over the country and have never been away from home. And especially coming from rural areas such as different um, tribal reservations, they, they have a tendency to get lonesome and miss their family. And, having that connection with their culture, I think is really important. So we have different gatherings, traditional ceremonies, and different opportunities to explore and celebrate students' own cultures and traditions during our program. Aside from our um, family components and our coursework, we also do different activities with the students and those pertain to different social activities. We do cooking and painting just so that they have that social aspect to get to know one another. And we do different field trips, which allow us to do clinical learning like shadowing, lab, nature and environment. And it's always nice because um, our instructors that are part of Summer Institute are really creative on getting ways to get their coursework to pertain to the different field trips that we're taking. So it's really exciting for the students to be able to go on a field trip, but also be learning something and they'll just remember it when they go home. Readiness for the students in pursuing allied health career and um, higher education is our general component and goal of the program. We would like to, our, uh, the outcome we would like to see most is for students to pursue um, their secondary education and hopefully in an allied health field or, and come to UND and visit with us and become part of our family because for Summer Institute, they're already part of our family as students for a Summer Institute, but that could go for years and years. As Danny said, we, we work with them through the 
um, pathway to earning their degrees. Summer Institute has been going on for many years and we've seen our students come full circle, which is really nice. There's several students that, well, they're not students anymore. They're actually medical doctors, but they started out as Summer Institute students and went through the entire program. I know I'm very fortunate to know one really well. He's a family physician in my community. And anytime I see him, he's like, you still at InMed? And it's so funny because the one thing he remembers is InMed has not changed their phone number in 50 years. And he's like, I will always remember their phone number. So it's always those little things that it's nice to visit with them and them talking about their experiences when they were um, students in Summer Institute. Um, and just lastly, some of the things that set us apart is the care and respect we practice when setting the culture for our program. It's important for us to create a space for students where they feel supported and that they can thrive and flourish and gain the confidence to pursue their goals. So that's just a little bit about Summer Institute and we'll, I'm sure we'll go a little bit more into detail on some of the different things we do as we continue our conversations. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. And, you know, there's so many similarities in terms of what you both are doing at your respective universities in terms of programming, but what is really speaking to me is the similarities of the importance of culture. And, um, you know, Naomi, I know you wanted to go back and talk a little bit more about experiences, but I also just kind of want to um, uh, open the door to continue to have that conversation, maybe about culture and, and to jump down on my list here. We got to get ready to talk about how we celebrate the individuality of these different tribes that are coming together um, on your university campuses. But before we go there, I know that Naomi wanted to mention a little bit more about the experiences at the, the camp that you guys are offering. Sure, and I think I can give some examples inside those experiences that uh, speak to your question about culture and how we embed that piece in. Um, our program has been running for 27 years now. And um, it has definitely changed in the last three years since I've been here because it, it was a, a camp that students came to our campus, lived and resided here, learned here, and then COVID hit. So I had a summer with them here, the next summer's online, and then the next summer is, is, is online, but it's much longer. So currently speaking, it's five weeks online, focuses in health occupations, sciences, technologies, engineering, arts, and math, because we know that if we're gonna have Native students um, really succeed and matriculate towards our health career career goals, they are going to need some of these components that they may not be receiving in their own public or native-based schools back home. Oftentimes, these school systems do not have a math teacher. They do not have a science teacher. Um, and that we see a lot of turnover in some of these schools. And so it's important that we embrace what they don't have and try to fill the gaps as best as we can. Having said that, um, these are some of the components our students receive in the last two years. We send them a brand new Chromebook with built-in software for AutoCAD and Adobe Spark. Um, daily and weekly lesson materials are also shipped to them with healing tools, such as stethoscopes and BP cups. They learn about first aid instruction um, and how, how and when to use EpiPens, when to recognize that someone's choking and, and practice with a sibling. Um, so they get to um, work with folks inside their home. 
when they're learning about taking basic vital signs with their healing tools, they're doing that on their family members and they're learning from nurses and providers in the field. The microscopes that we send them are probably some of the most nice microscopes. Many of our students say, hey, we don't even have this nice of one in school. And the beauty is these students get to keep them. And we would see in real time our students teaching their siblings how to use the stethoscope. So we saw in real time our family members and siblings learning alongside their, their older brother or sister or cousin. Um, we sent along science experiment kits. Um, we really looked, had students do fun experiments like running around the house and finding microbes and watching them grow. And <laughs> students had fun, anything from taking a microbe uh, bacteria from a cat's paw to running and 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 trying to scrape something off dad while he was sleeping. <laughs> These kids had fun. It was great. Um, the AutoCAD built within their programming and some of the Adobe pieces that we have help students in a cultural capacity understand how to sketch and draw their own elders in their community and tell a story with it. And then they showed these stories in real time. It was beautiful. Um, in addition, the cultural tenant instruction and cultural activities that we involve in our instruction are often led by tribal elders in our communities and knowledge keepers and experiment, um, experienced folks. For example, one of our native physicians, a tribal physician and elder worked with our students and really talked about their own self-identities, their own tribal nation, their own sovereignty and asked them to bring with them that day in a talking circle online an artifact, something that meant something to them or their family that's special. And each child was able to relay what that meant. And some of them went back and they talked to their parents and grandparents or aunties to better understand truly what it meant to the family. And that just helped further solidify that student's identity. And it was beautiful to sit in and watch them share these pieces. We really celebrate their identities. And in order to do that, we have to honor each unique identity and, and tribe they come from. In addition to that, um, we try to also build in culture and embed it through students understanding their ancestry. And that part of our culture is, is we believe is built in within our genetic code and that we embrace culture as part of our programming and not as some sort of supplement to teaching. It, culture is not an afterthought is what I'm getting at. It is built in from the very beginning. So program coordinators like Brittany um, and myself and, and Danny look at that as an automatic built-in piece of our work. It's not something that we think, oh, okay, now we got to add an art project. That's not how it's viewed. We also work on respecting one another's identities and dealing learning activities and providing a platform in which students can learn about their own tribal nation histories and traditions um, with, uh, with the understanding that they respect those that differ from them and that we all have something to learn. Um, as we know, and I think I need to really state this in this portion of the conversation, as families are the basis and core in our indigenous communities and how communities thrive, they too must be part of our programming. We have long built programs that are just so focused on the students I, I can say this as someone who's been doing this work for many years, not just for the InMed program where I used to work at the University of North Dakota where these two awesome ladies are at, but where I currently work because healthcare occupation educational pathways are some of the most unique, challenging and burnout education pathways in the United States or world. 
And now we're talking about taking a very unique population of students who don't have the same social capital, education systems, sometimes confidence to go into these systems and really work through them successfully without wraparound supports or meaningful cultural supports to help them navigate these spaces. So when we include family, we're helping that student and that family together understand what their student is about to embark upon. Um, some of the most difficult stories I, I could share, which we don't, I know we won't have time for today, is to talk about some of the challenges we see our Native students deal with in medicine, right? Being away from family, being torn away from their family obligations back on the reservation, back in their home in rural and urban spaces, and not being able to just pick up and go home and help, um, which is, is really difficult for our students. So we believe in bringing them along the way because then too, they can see and learn what their children are about to embark upon and how difficult and challenging it truly is and how they can support them. Um, I, I, I could give you some examples, but I'm, I'm just gonna hold off for now, but I really think that um, creating a space where we celebrate identity, but pairing it with our academic understandings and science understandings um, is, is really a win for our students in the long run. I'll just quickly add on to what Naomi said. I think, you know, we, we, we try and incorporate so many of the components that are going to make our students feel like they are in a space that is, is welcoming to them and designed for them. And that, that goes from A to Z, right? So we are working to cultivate a population of young people that feels confident in a space that wasn't necessarily designed with them in mind. So the long-term goal is not just to, to produce nurses and doctors and physical therapists that are, are more than competent, but excelling and leading in their fields long-term, but also maybe take an opportunity to have those people inform and change the spaces that they'll be working in. Because it's not, you know, Western medicine isn't just necessarily a place where you have to fit in. It, it should be changed for the betterment of, of patients and the communities that they're serving. So if we can help our students on the path to maybe informing that space in the future, then that's a win for us. I just want to acknowledge here as well that um, understanding the importance of cultural awareness and, and self-identity in programming is also something that the camps out there listening, you know, you don't have to just be in health sciences to consider this kind of concept. And what we're hearing today is the success um, that's widespread and, and is specifically being supportive of these um, indigenous communities, but it is also something that can be applicable to your program, I would say as well. Um, let's, let's keep talking more now. Uh, as we hear about the success of the program, I'd like to hear a little bit about the success of the participants. And, and Brittany, you shared a little bit about the doctor that you know um, with the phone number story. I love that. But I'd just like the opportunity for you all to share a little bit more about your attendees or their successes. Okay, yeah. Um, just talking a little bit about our students and um, some of their successes after completing our program. Our students, um, just to start the conversation, our students are allowed to come for six years of the program. It's not just a one-time uh, program. 
So we do have students that come from the beginning of seventh grade all the way through their senior year. And we call them um, six years. So uh, our six years. And they, they were able to come for all six years of their program, of our program. And it's really great to see the bonds that, um, that they, they grow with each other, but also with the faculty and staff that they work with um, during the program, the, the relationships that they build with their instructors during the program go on into when they're in undergrad and they need help with, a, with, a, with something and it pertains to that subject and they're able to reach out to those instructors. The connections that they make um, in, at the university level is really good too. But the professionals that they meet, um, and this goes to show a lot on how the impact that these students make on the professionals that they meet because it gives them opportunities when it comes time for internships, fellowships, um, shadowing experiences. They have these connections already, and I think that's a huge success for students as they are trying to embark on earning that degree and needing those experiences. So I think that's one of the huge, huge successes of our students is being able to have that, that bank of connections already made with um, professionals and different individuals that can help them pursue their degree and even further on after graduation and their careers. Yeah, I think Brittany, um, Brittany's done a really magnificent job of incorporating opportunities for elders and medical professionals and um, people who, like, like Naomi said, knowledge keepers to come and speak to our students every summer. Um, you know, our, 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 we operate under Dr. Don Warren here at UND. And one of the things he says all the time is that when he was growing up, he didn't think he could be a doctor because he had never seen a native doctor before. Um, and so for us, you know, you know, the theme of representation matters. It matters from day one. Um, and it doesn't just look like one thing or one person or one tribe or one community, but showing our young students that they can do whatever they set their mind to. And we're here to help them maybe craft their tools and craft their craft. Um, but there are people like them who have, have come where they've come from. Um, and Brittany, at least in, in our camp, has done a really fabulous job of, of putting together opportunities for our students to see what futures are available to them. I also think it's very fortunate that um, we have a wide variety of mentors, I would call them, and leaders within our departments that are medical doctors and naturopathic doctors. So I think that's a really great asset that we have for our students because it shows them that they can do it and you know it is possible for them to do it. So yeah, I think that's really great. I mean, I believe the question was um, talking about like what were some of the anticipated outcomes and success of our participants after doing this work for 16 years. I've seen a lot of different um, forms of what that may look like at both the University of North Dakota and out here in Washington state. We serve completely different tribes and have completely different government systems and completely different education systems. But with the goal in mind, the same goal in mind, trying to serve our students. Um, I think our goal is to increase the success of Native American youth matriculating into college spaces toward healthcare career fields. But we know that the majority of our students may head into other fields or professions. This is a reality. 
we see this as a win. And I know I can speak for UND as well as other institutions. I would say the top 10 schools that do this work best in the US. When I say this is a huge win because our students must walk in two worlds already. As native indigenous people, we walk in two worlds. If and when the walk into higher education, this other second world view and space is wholly different than any space they've known, we are doing our work um, and if we can help them accomplish their ultimate goals of education and occupation that can contribute to them, their families, their tribal communities and others in our nation. This is a service, not just to the student or their families or their tri tribal communities, but really um, the impact of our people across the US. So when we think about the resiliency and persistence and impact we see by developing and running these types of summer programs and how that carries into the next generation, we know this because our ancestors have shown us this over centuries, that if we do this type of work and we keep educating and informing, the next generation will follow. We must persist. Um, uh, examples of students I've advised, taught, served for, for many years are now physicians, teachers, police officers, attorneys, researchers, scientists, engineers, pilots, and more. One of the examples I think of was someone who had come to some of our summer programs, became a physician in North Dakota, and is now a physician for one of our Washington coastal tribes, and went as far as going after a pilot, a personal pilot's license, so that he could fly out to our tribal people in really remote coastal areas and island areas to serve them. When we think of the ability that these programs have to uproot confidence in people and see their potential through others, it is a win. And even if they don't become a physician and they decide to become a politician and serve their people in that capacity, it is a win because we are giving them the support that they need to get to where they need to be. Um, the, the list goes on. We could probably talk three hours of examples that we see every day, but we are so proud of our students who are coming from our summer programs and into these spaces. Currently, um, we just matriculated. We saw a native student from the Yakima Nation matriculate after going through Nahashni Summer Institute um, and then going to college and is now a UDAL scholarship recipient and just entered into our College of Nursing because she wants to serve her people in IHS. These are the types of stories we see and we embrace. It continues our work. It perpetuates the three of us and many others across the US that do this work. Incredible. I have to go off script here for a minute and ask, because I, from my university background as well, hearing the success of your students and how it applies to camp, I would have to say that sometimes it's difficult for universities to get buy-in for summer camps because of the expenses that are associated, et cetera, et cetera. What is the key or can you give us some advice for the universities out there on how they can get buy-in from upper administration to support these kinds of programs? I can take that one. I think at UND, we've been very fortunate um, with our, our, our administration in that, um, let, me, let me rephrase that. So there, there's always the, the possibility that it could fall into a, 
you know, the easiest answer, which is recruitment. We want students on campus. These are going to be UND students, but our administration has, has not gone in that direction. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, we work under an administration that sees the value in serving students. And when we come to them with a conversation and we say, we are serving these students. Yes, they might end up at UND. Our hope is that they end up at university somewhere and that they end up doing whatever they choose to do. Um, we're here to, to build the tools for them and help them make choices in life. Um, we've been very fortunate that our administration backs that 100%. And they're, they're working towards the same goal. It may be a different educational level or a different administrative level. Um, but we haven't really had to create the buy-in. We've simply had to like make sure we call the right person and tell them that we're basically doing the same thing and let's just all pull in the same direction. I don't believe that's necessarily the case everywhere. Um, and so that conversation would change depending on, you know, I hate to call it a pitch, but how, how you're presenting that, that opportunity. Um, people can call us and, and have that conversation because we can take a whole day talking to them about it. And, and anybody in this meeting would love to, to participate in that discussion and maybe help other, other universities, other camps around the country um, set up some, some action steps for, for, for curating buy-in from their administration. And as, I'll kind of add on to that a little bit too, as far as the support that we get from our administration, whether it be internally or also from our tribal advisory board. One thing that I've noticed from my years of um, coordinating the Summer Institute program is they like to see things in action. So if they can experiencing, experience one or a few of the different things that are happening and seeing outcomes, whether it be in a newsletter form or report form, they like seeing the outcomes of the program and seeing how it is working. And it, it always seems to open it up a little bit more for getting that high, high amount of support from our administration and our board. I'll take that a step further, um, especially on, uh, I think a great segue from what Brittany just said, because much of my work out here when we're completing our summer programs, we put together a really beautiful newsletter that encaptures all four of our summer programs. It also talks about some of the work we're doing in the academic year that supports native and non-native students and some of the work we're doing with tribal communities. And when your institution can see the impact, the actual impact and the direct words and quotes from students parents, families, tribal community members, it makes a difference, not just in terms of your ability to market your programs, but to show the institution um, that the commitment that they're making in supporting these programs and staff to support these programs are working and they're meaningful. When you work at a land-grant institution, so the University of North Dakota is not, but I am, and we call upon that land-grant um, mission all the time. So when I'm going up to my leaders, part of the land-grant mission of an institution is to serve the people of Washington State, which includes all tribes, which includes all 30 plus tribes, 29 federally recognized and those that are not. And that I take seriously. And it is always there with everything I bring up to them. And they know that. And that's not a format of saying, because this exists, you have to do that. But what it does is it honors the promise that the institution made to our tribes to begin with, right? And we need to be able to provide um, evidence and proof of that work, right? Not just to the tribes, but also to the institution. And I do, I do think there's ways of doing that, but it also can't just come from the program administrators like myself. It needs to come from our tribal advisory board members 
who steer and give voice to the campus and the work that we do. It needs to come from our tribal communities. I'm finding lately here in the Pacific Northwest, it's also coming from external community stakeholders who truly believe in our work and want to commit to it and further fund these programs because they see the relevance, they see the commitment, and they see the potential of impact um, overall in healthcare. Thank you. I appreciate that selfishly. That was great to hear. And and university people who are out there listening, Danielle, thank you for bringing up that if you guys would be willing to share some more information, we'll make sure to make those connections happen. Um, let's keep going and talk a little bit more. I have a couple more questions here. What advice would you give someone or a camp wanting to educate their families, their staff and their campers about land acknowledgements or respecting the land in which they operate in? What's a good starting point for these people? You wanna go first, Britt? Yeah, I can, I can definitely. Thank you, Naomi. Um, some advice that I would give uh, just from, just from a personal um, background of land acknowledgement and respecting the land in which we operate on. Growing up, I was always taught our five, our seven teachings and to go back on our seven teachings whenever we are questioning anything. Um, it's really important for me to think about the land that we are on and give thanks to our creator, Gitche Manitou, for the land that we're on and allowing us to be here to do that work. And, you know, our land acknowledgements that we gave at the beginning of the podcast here today really give a good example on how our universities are um, acknowledging the land that we're doing work on. But as individuals and campers and as coordinators, it's really important that we make sure that that's getting instilled in our students. I could kind of give an example of some of the things that we do for Summer Institute. Um, we do weekly prayers and this year due to the program being virtually, we sent different medicines to our students to smudge with. And during our weekly smudge, we, we were very fortunate to have um, a teacher from our community to uh, visit with our students and to give them lessons and teaching as far as um, showing respect to the land that we're on and the work that we're doing. And it also opened up a really good part of the program too, because the the lessons were given from um, my brother, which I'm very fortunate that he was able to do that with us. And from being from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa, we had, you know, we, he didn't have all the knowledge on all the different res, um, tribes that were represented during our program and their culture. So it gave us an opportunity to open up to learn from them. It gave us the opportunity to give them time to visit with one another on their culture. And I think that's really important because um, like before, when I touched about these students, this might be their first time leaving home and leaving their reservation. And it gives them the opportunity to meet students from different cultures and backgrounds and learn about the different ceremonies that they do, the different ways that they pray, the different ways that they do teachings in their community. So it really helps with that. 
So the best advice I would be able to give somebody on educating their family and staff and campers is just being open, open, having open communication with one another, asking questions, um, having that humility to be able to ask questions when you have them. I think that shows a lot. You have to be willing to learn. And I think that's just the best advice I can give on educating because it's individualized, like Dr. Um, Bender said earlier when she was talking about different student cultures, it's individualized on the tribes that they're coming from. So yeah, definitely just opening up and asking questions. And I feel very fortunate that we were able to have sessions on that during our program. Back to the original question, what advice would we give someone wanting to educate their family, staff and campers about land acknowledgement, respecting the land in which they operate on in general? Um, I just want to thank the ACA for actually asking this question because it's not something that is often discussed or understood. If I had to give you four points of advice, um, one would be there is an app out there and I did send it to you in the chat box. Alicia to be able to send with people, but it's um, native-land.ca. And in that app, you can place in the zip code of where you live or where you wanna learn from, and it'll show you the traditional um, original inhabitants of that area and give additional information. I think that's important because one, it could be a fun experiment for students, and then they could further understand the tribal lands that they, they reside upon. Um, secondly, I think you can work directly with the tribal community member in the area of which your camp resides and occupies and work with that elder and knowledge keeper about the land um, and the importance of that land and maybe some of the unique attributes about the environment, climate, and even maybe some of the plants and food of that land to your students. Perhaps have them explore their own territories as a homework assignment and provide some fact finding might be sort of fun for them. And I think finally speak about the importance of land recognition and why there has been a change of habitants. Um, History and how these lands were taken by force and not, are not often spoke about in Western education systems. Part of understanding one's identity, culture, and history is also understanding the circumstances that have continued to perpetuate these changes within the US and other countries of indigenous peoples. And when I say that, I think this is a really heavy topic, especially when it's being talked to the youth. So I would highly suggest and advise that if someone's giving this kind of conversation and laying it out to them, for truth seeking, um, having someone do that with experience, but also provide these understandings with humility, grace, and helping these students find joy in the resilience of our tribal nations who continue to persist, even if the land is not being occupied by them anymore. So I think those are some pieces that I would highly advise because I think sometimes we can get really heavy down in the history of the negativity of how some of these um, atrocities happen to our people. But I also believe in counterbalancing that with the joy of our people because our native um, tr uh, tribal nations have persisted and, and are quite resilient and, and are manifesting their own ways to persist in beautiful ways. So I think with, with that history also needs to be joy and celebration. Thank you. And I would like to share from a personal note that the land acknowledgement that I took time to just uh, research over the past couple of days, 
I had to get uncomfortable and ask some questions to Naomi, Danny, and Brittany to understand what I was doing and how I was doing it. But I, I have to say the feeling of uh, feeling like I'm giving respect to the indigenous people and the people who are on the call with today makes it all worth it. And on the other half of that, on behalf of ACA, we're so happy to have this opportunity to make, um, amplify these voices in these communities. So let's keep going. We've got more questions, but I also, we're running out of time, people of uh, the campfire world. We're gonna, we're gonna go for two more questions, I, I would say. And uh, the next question I have is continuing to show that respect. We do wanna talk about how camps can show respect to the indigenous people's culture in terms of programming, marketing and education. And I, I wanna say that Danny, even though I gave the clock, do not feel like you have to rush this chat because I know it's important and say whatever you need to say, please. Sure. Um, I think what you had mentioned earlier about getting uncomfortable is a very important piece of the process. Um, you know, I can only speak from my own perspective as a non-Native person, and so there, there has been learning. Um, and what Brittany mentioned earlier about the humility to, to admit that you can make improvement and to ask questions that put you in a place of vulnerability is really important. And you know what? People will give you answers that, that help you do better, um, and then you just have to do better. So it's, it's okay to ask questions. Um, but I guess speaking from a, a marketing or a programming or a recruitment perspective, um, I've often encountered, and marketing is not my trained background, but I've sort of fallen into it in my various roles throughout my career. Um, the idea that diversity looks like one thing um, is very, very wrong. And so you, you might encounter people that are trying to put together a flyer or a brochure or a set of images. And then they're like, well, we want to attract a certain group of people and let's put these exact images in there. And so um, diversity doesn't look like one thing or one picture. Um, a lot of institutions are actually making real strides and genuine efforts to cultivate inclusive and welcoming cultures in their promotional materials. Um, and I think creating digital and paper assets and promotional imaging and language um, that captures various traditions and cultures or the considerations of the target audience, um, and particularly of those that are maybe pictured in those materials. Here at UND, um, you know, we, and anywhere, we believe that representation matters. Um, but having an idea that about how that representation should look and packaging it in a certain way is definitely a mistake. Um, we, we use promotional imaging of our students, our summer institute students, our medical students, our faculty all the time. Um, and it's really important for us to, to display them and show them in a, in a way that they choose. Um, so we very rarely will have a discussion about how somebody should look in a picture because we want them to look how they want to look. Um, and if somebody else has a problem with that, well, then they're probably not educated enough or, or maybe they're not participating in the conversation enough to, to be there because we want our students represented as, as they are most comfortable and feel the most celebrated. And that's really the only goal that we have as far as our specific marketing promotional materials. I would just add that um, there is no education system that I'm aware of in higher education that teaches us to do how our do our, do our jobs. Um, think about that, uh, whether you're a program coordinator, or you're director of Native Health Pathways, um, this is an on the job learning situation, but I can tell you that one of the, the lessons I learned really early um, in my work many years ago at the University of North Dakota, and, and it has stayed with me through my time here in the Pacific Northwest, 
is that we would not be able to do this work without the voice and persistence of our tribal communities who commit to the education of their youth and the next generation. And in saying so, we could have the best communication folks to create the most beautiful flyers, but if we're not going to include their voice and how these messages are relayed down to, could you please review this flyer? And is there anything that you feel that we're missing or that we should add? Um, is there language that should not be included? I've had folks send them to me and using um, language that we try to not use anymore, like pipelines, and instead using programs or pathways. Um, there's just different views. And I think it's really important to be inclusive about people. I always say more, more, more indigenous brains at the table help us create a more meaningful program and marketing strategy and, and recruitment. But that, that type of management, recruitment, marketing, assessing and determining impact for programs um, needs to be one transparent and it must include tribal communities just like you would in research. Um, with our knowledge keepers and tribal ed folks from the very beginning, if you're truly able to create a meaningful program for their youth. Thank you both for that. So let's go into our final question here. And just in case we all have to run off at the end, I'm just kidding. We're going to get time to thank you all again for being here. But I'd like to bring it back to hear about each of you individually as um it, you know, not only just an employee at a university, but you yourself as a person, this question is important about what inspired you to serve youth in a university setting? And do you have any personal goals that you'd like to share uh, in regards to that? What inspires me to work with American Indian youth in a university setting is just, per you know, personal experience as a first generation college student, which a lot of these students that we work with um, you develop a sense of the struggles that come with being at a university and not having that experience or having that support at home when it comes to your education, just because you are a first generation student and being able to have somebody there and being able to be that person in that university setting for these students is a reward on its own. Um, making them feel at home and having a sense of family. We talked about the importance of family for these students and a sense of home for them to feel comfortable, especially moving to a different city or a different town and leaving your um, rural tribal homes because you experience a lot of things as an American Indian student that unfortunately don't make you feel very welcome. and having that sense of support and somebody that you can go to talk to and have that sense of family. I think that is definitely one of the main things that inspires me to work with the youth that we do work with. And I'll just hand it off to Danny. My expertise lies in pulling different threads and different resources together to solve problems. And I feel like my personal goal working and, and having the privilege of working in a program like this is that I can use my skills and my knowledge to, to put together resources and people and ideas and programs and whatever it is to help our students. And whether they're seventh graders or they're graduating from medical school or about to earn their PhD, um, identify and 
um, maximize the way in which they feel supported in the world. And, and then hopefully, you know, go forward and, and do that for somebody else down the line. Um, you know, it, it, it helps to know somebody who knows what they're talking about. And if you can go and like Brittany said, come to campus and, and ask somebody, I don't even know where to start. Can you, what, what, which foot do I put down first? And they say, well, this one. And then also here's, you talk to this person, I'll take you over there. Um, we're going to grab lunch. We're going to get a tutor. We're going to, we're going to call your mom, whatever that, that, that scenario looks like, but, but putting together um, a group of resources and ideas that will help people help more people later. That's my goal. I like that. Oh boy, this is an interesting question. Considering my background in history, I think, I don't know that I would have foreseen me working with youth per se, because, you know, I've been teaching in higher ed for 16 years. And when I took the position at the University of North Dakota's Indians in a Medicine program as a summer institute coordinator, it was a whole new experience for me. <laughs> but I can tell you this much after working with those with beautiful children every summer for many summers and being a parent myself, being an auntie myself, I am under the belief, as many of our indigenous colleagues and people across the United States, that our children are our future. And if we don't invest in them, we're not investing in our future. And so for me, the commitment to providing an opportunity for students to be part of a greater pathway into education and potentially healing occupations um, is important. Personally speaking, I do this work for many reasons, but namely because my family and I, um, from my Peruvian and indigenous roots, have long held really difficult um, uh, diseases and we've had loss from these diseases, lack of resources of healthcare, um, lack of appropriate um, and culturally safe practices amongst my family members and have lost family members because of that perpetuation of the misrepresentation and understandings between provider and patient care. Um, my ultimate goal is not just to have pathway students to expand the healthcare workforce of our native, native people to serve our own and or others. It's to truly impact educationally all healthcare workers in the United States, whether they're native or not, because we know that over 90% of the people that serve our indigenous people are not native. And if we can't begin to understand that some of their educational pieces that help them practice in meaningful ways will eventually impact the health of outcomes of our indigenous people from the very get-go, we have problems, right? So for me, my goal is to start waking up the Western view and Anglo view of medical education and counterbalance it with a long-held traditional view of healing and knowing. And that comes from our people, not from a, a cultural appropriate appropriation um, view or angle, but really providing a space for us to enter into these sacred spaces we called healing spaces and having providers and people recognize who we are as indigenous people. Those changes aren't gonna happen if we don't see a relational change and shift inside that patient space. And that starts in education, period. Um, so for me personally, uh, I have goals, but I'd say the top one is to help eliminate health disparities. And this is one way of doing it. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Brittany. 
not only for sharing and giving us a piece of your own personal goals, that's really, um, I appreciate you saying that, but also just being here this afternoon and sharing all of your knowledge, your experiences. The listeners of Camp Wire are going to be very fortunate. Uh, I'm gonna leave us with hopefully an opportunity for chapter two. There's been a lot of instances here where we've said, we'll talk about that another time, or we'll talk about that later. And we didn't get a chance to discuss it all today, but I know that there's a lot to be heard. Um, so it is my hope that we can continue to have um, the amplification of these voices, these programs of the indigenous people, and on behalf of the American Camp Association, and Naomi, and Danny, and Brittany, we thank you all for listening. <laughs>